Now, KMOX at your service. Welcome to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Now, here's your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. All right, welcome back. Home Improvement Hour 2, Lunchtime KMOX. Brian Kelly has delivered some fantastic weather. Who's not loving this? Uh, Yeah, a little bit of Indian summer, if you will, right in the middle of December. Are you kidding here? Finishing out November. Have you looked at the forecast for the next two weeks? Well, you know, I'm in the construction business, so I look at the weather, live and die by the weather, and it's going to be fantabulous. That's a real word. Well, maybe not. You might not find that in the dictionary, but it is in the wordsmithing world of me. Uh, Anyway, we've got another hour, a wonderful afternoon here on Camwex. Stay tuned. Take us with you as you go. Uh, We appreciate being part of your your family, part of the car running the errands, the grocery stores, uh, the shopping, as all the things working in the yard all around the various places, cooking with you, uh, all the various places you take us with you during your day. Uh, It's just an honor to be part of your family, and I think it's an honor as a loyal Camwex listener to be part of the Camwex community, uh, which is really to be an active member of St. Louis, in my opinion. Uh, We have phone lines open, 314-436-7900-436-7900 and 800-925-1120, toll-free from anywhere on the globe. Uh, You can also listen to us through the miracle of the internet, so anywhere around the world that you can get an internet or Wi-Fi signal. You can take CAMWEX with you and stay tuned with what's happening locally. I know we have quite a few uh, international travelers and snowbirds that really uh, stay tuned into CAMWEX. Quite a few listeners of this show and many of the At Your Service shows throughout the weekend on CAMWEX because it keeps them connected with home, uh, the weather, the community, the questions. And uh, we're kind of lifetime learners. I think that would describe Cam Wexers, um, and for those of you that have listened to the show for a while, I invite you to pass this on to your kids. Um, really, I learned this uh, stuff that I'm sharing on the air by uh, somebody teaching me. And new homeowners, it's very important that they learn to fix their own doorknobs, tighten up the doorknobs, how to fix a window, how to identify what really needs to be attention, what they can do themselves, what is a professionally provided repair, repair, uh, what materials are called, all those sorts of things. And, you know, if they're a weekend warrior in terms of working on the house, cleaning up the house, uh, getting the pavement ready for the winter, whether it's concrete, asphalt, pavers, whatever it is, we can talk about that on camera. So my point is, is uh, part of our uh, community knowledge is passing that on to those uh, behind us uh, that uh, we learned the same way. Uh, and I would hope that you would uh, pass on the KMOX Home Improvement Show as as to new homeowners that likewise can benefit from this. I, I love it. I, I, I learned a, a, there are no dumb questions because I asked them all. I even asked them wrong. I used all the wrong words. I pulled the wrong tool out to do the right job and the right job to be done with the right tool. Somebody then picked up that tool or, or knowledge and said, Scott, here's a better way to do it. Um, and that's just part of me, and I think that's part of KMOX. So 
you know, pay it forward, hand it down, uh, make sure this community knowledge gets to be part of the new homeowners. Uh, you've heard the word millennials, which means, you know, the younger kids that are now coming into the home buying age. It's important that they know about this stuff because, uh, you know, it, it really is, you know, they're, they're YouTubers. I get that. And it comes from the Internet. Well, Cam Wex is part of that. This knowledge is local. Anyway, let's uh, talk about this in a little bit more. Uh, we've got so many things happening here in Camwex. A great afternoon all day. Tonight, we've got the Blues against the Wild, and that pregame show starts right here at 6.30. And then at 7 o'clock, the game starts with the Blues. And tonight, 10.15, Johnny Rabbit. Going to talk about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame uh, music, the, the new inductees, some of that music also. Tis that season, some of Santa's favorite hits from the 50s and 60s. Uh, my name is Scott Mosby. I own and operate Mosby Building Arts. This is our 70th year. Uh, kind of fun. I've been on CAMWEX 20 of those years. Uh, part of the outreach at Mosby is to help people make a positive difference in people's lives every day. That's something that's important to me, uh, the people I work with, and likewise you, I think, as CAMWEX listeners. So... That's why I'm here. I love it. Let's go to the phone lines, fire up and get going and see what's happening here with Larry. Hey, Larry, Scott Mosby, how can I help? Are you there? Hello, Larry. Hello. Yes, sir. Scott, uh, hi. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you. Um, I've got a foundation that was poured, and the uh, garage openings were naturally framed out. The There's a about a three or four foot length of two by four that has now exposed itself from the, the uh, perimeter of that opening. And I don't want it to deteriorate. So I want to know how I can cover that, like with a, uh, an epoxy or whatever cement that will blend in with the existing concrete wall and, and cover that uh, two by four. Okay. Uh, now, this is at the base of the two overhead garage doors or at the base of the garage door. Is that what I'm hearing? It's on the side, on the side. Is it on a man? Side, on the upper half of the side of the openings. Uh, is this for a man door that you walk through or for an overhead door you drive through? For overhead. Okay, and it's halfway up? Yeah. Um, hmm. Do you have brick on this house? Yeah, there's brick above, yeah. Okay. Hmm. I'm I'm a little puzzled by well exactly what's happening. Um, typically, uh, was there a piece of wood that is missing now, Larry? I'm having trouble picturing this. No, Pardon it's me. embedded. The, the two by the two by four is embedded in the concrete ah. foundation and it's exposed. I got. And it. what I want to do is cover it so it doesn't deteriorate. Okay, I got it. And this was part of the door buck when they poured that. I get it now. You you actually did a good job describing it. It was me having trouble picturing it. Uh, Larry, that's typically um, a piece of wood is a nailer. If they left it in, they either just didn't take it out or it was embedded as a nailer for applying uh, whatever. It typically would have a trim board or a door buck, a one by eight that wraps around that door, something like that. Um, so all you're trying to do here effectively, and, and what's exposed is a white rottable wood. So you just need to get the rain off of it, which could be either a brake metal piece of aluminum, a one by piece of lumber that gets caulked and painted to protect that uh, wood inside, uh, but some sort of an exterior overcoat 
uh, siding type product. You follow what I'm answering here? Well, I don't know that you understand what I said. Basically, you have the, the two sides of the opening for the garage. Yep. Okay? Uh, on the, the wall is maybe 10 inches thick. Okay? Yep. In that, in the middle of that, is embedded flush a two-by-four that's about three foot long on the upper side. Okay. At one time, it was probably covered over with a, uh, cement uh, coating when, you know, when they were finishing it. Okay. But it, it has since washed off, and the two-by-four now is exposed, uh, and it's, like I say, flush with the, the side of the opening of the doors. Right. Absolutely. So what I want to do is um, cover it so that it doesn't show and also protects it. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm following that, Larry, but if you put cement over it again, as was done before, the expansion of that wood and the wetting and drying of that will chip off any cement later. So if they plastered it or put a, a parging, P-A-R-G-I-N-G, like a, a layer of cement, it will just not last long. It con- con- it'll stick to the concrete, but not to the wood. I would cover that wood with a what we call a door buck or a trim fascia board, which would go all the way down to the bottom of that door. So I would tend to cover those up not only three feet, but from the top of that door opening down to the bottom of this concrete slab uh, and come up with some way of doing it. Otherwise, this is just going to keep cracking off. It, it's not, you, you can't cover wood with concrete unless it's about an inch thick, like real, you know, cemented on plaster. You follow? Uh, yeah. Yeah, so I, I mean, it's uh, I would pull off the door gasket, you know, that presses up uh, against the garage door, and somehow extend that wood. Or if you don't, if you can't handle the thickness, then you can do it with a brake metal, B R A K E, which means a metal bent, um, pre-finished piece of usually aluminum or something that has very little thickness and will do a finished job. But then uh, adhering that is difficult, so that's why I trump back to well, the you know, the wood fascia. Well, what if, what if uh, they make a concrete caulk? Would that work if I smeared that on uh, yeah. with a trowel? Yeah, that will stick to wood a whole lot better than cement will stick to wood uh, in time. Absolutely, uh, it, it would. But it, it's going to be really hard, I think, Larry, to make that attractive, um, frankly, in, in my opinion. But yeah, that will stick better than cement or plaster will, unless it's at least you know, five-eighths of an inch thick. And even then, real plaster is more like three-quarters to an inch, and that's a big deal. Well, would I want to rough up that two-by-four a little bit? Uh, not really. doesn't matter. You'll need to primer it. Uh, there, if you're going to put that caulk on there, you just need to temper it. If you're using a latex caulk, don't caulk it on a real dry piece of, uh, of, of uh, wood. You'll temper it, put it a spray bottle, make it damp, and then your latex, which is water-based caulk, sticks to it. If you do something like a... Um, um, Oh, oh, anything, a, a solvent-based material like a silicone, don't make it wet. It, a silicone and solvent-based need really dry wood, um, and latex actually needs slightly damp wood. Okay, gotcha. Okay. Thank you. All right, Larry, good luck, my friend. Bye now. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, KMOX. We'll be back for more. I've got some great questions here on KMOX for you. 
Welcome back to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Now, once again, here's your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. All right, here we are. Let's go right to our phone lines here. Scott Mosby at your service. Bosco turning out 50,000 watts in the background. We're going to talk with Becky. Hello, Becky. Good afternoon. How can I help? Okay, this is Becky, but I'm going to let you talk to my son, Kevin, who's really doing the ceiling job. Okay. okay. Here's Kevin. All right. We, uh, we poured a, we re, we've redone our driveway, we poured it with concrete, okay. and uh, we let the uh, first section that we did sit for about a month for uh, curing before sealing it. <clears throat> Perfect. Now we're trying to get the leaf stains off of there before <laughs> we uh, try to seal it. Yeah, yeah, man, man I, know I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, that frankly, uh, you did the right thing. Uh, the problem is the oak leaves and the tannin, which is literally an acid dye, uh, it, similar to the Native Americans. So they knew all about these leaves and the stains. Um, you're, uh, it's tough because those stains, uh, if you pressure wash or hot water steam or detergent or whatever, they're just not going to come out. Um, and your concrete is so very um, porous, but you did the right thing by waiting 30 days because 90% of the chemical process of concrete curing has to happen before you can put any of the stuff on it. Um, you're you're kind of stuck with that. Um, how much uh, staining do you have, Kevin? Um, there's there's a, just a couple uh, couple patches on there where the wind blows and kind of can collects the leaves. Yeah. Well, I would advise if you can dry that concrete out or keep the leaves off it and the moisture, because it's the moisture and the leaves combination, that's what the leaching liquid of that material is what really is soaking down into your white, white, white new concrete. Um, and do the best you can. Uh, the problem is you need soap and water and detergent and then some sunlight. So keep a leaf blower and keep those leaves off there for a few days till you can really dry it out. Then you can go ahead and seal it or seal the slab and leave those areas unsealed where the leaves are because frankly it's it's time and mother nature and the sunlight and the ultraviolet light rays and all that that clean that out um we have hot water pressure washers and really cleaning wizards and they're just a couple of things that are really hard to get out and that's one of them so so you're saying that the sunlight and time will bleach that back out yeah, yes, as well as the, you know, all the stuff from uh, MoDOT and IDOT, you know, Department of Transportation, the salt is going to get in there at the same time. So it's kind of a choice. Uh, uh, there are some limited sealers that can go on in the first or second day after the concrete, but they, they don't last very long. So um, I, I get it. There's no real way around it this time of year when you have, other than to keep those leaves off that new concrete for, you know, till you get it sealed. Right. Yep. yep. Okay, and then uh, just a little side question there, because I've you, you have so many friends that have so many conflicting uh, opinions about things. Mm -hmm. um, on the sealer, is that if we broomed that, is that still something that we want to put on there with the sealer? It, what's the advantage to sealing the concrete? Oh, uh, sealing the concrete keeps all the contaminants. Salt is chloride. Chloride is what destroys concrete. So the salt that goes on the 
highway, the roads uh, that our car's on that drips on this driveway or we drive across it, uh, you're literally going to ruin the top surface of that concrete slab. In the first season, the first winter season, if we have a rough winter with snow and ice and the Department of Transportation literally uses the chemicals with the chloride in it, uh, it chloride is concrete killer and that's where the spalling, the pocking and very many of the really unsightly problems with concrete slabs come from. So that's why it's so important uh, to get this stuff sealed at 30 days. Okay. Yep. yep. All righty. And, and frankly, you've, you've discovered, you know, Mother Nature reared her ugly head and stained your concrete before you get that sealer down. I, I get it. It's a mess. We have the same problems uh, in newer uh, subdivisions where the mud from uh, trucks get on that concrete. You want to get some rut, red mud clay on concrete, it's really hard to get out. I can only imagine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So anyway, I, I wish I had a magic answer for you here, Kevin. You're just uh, frontline, you know, upfront and personal with Mother Nature, and uh, you know, keep the leaves off and the water from uh, leaching that uh, leaf tannin color into the concrete. Okay. All righty. I appreciate your help. Okay. okay good, good luck, luck my, my friend. friend. Thanks. All right, home improvement. Good question, uh, Kevin and Becky. Uh, sealing some new concrete, uh, fabli- I know as as difficult as it is, um, and frankly, we're November. We're going to get some other nice days. The idea of some of these sealers and the moisture-based sealers or water-based sealers, uh, r- the best time to put any coating on, whether it's paint, uh, polymer, concrete sealer, asphalt, whatever, is at seventy degrees Fahrenheit, and that's not air temperature that's concrete slab or asphalt surface um, temperature. Um, you know, even with Mike Miller in the KMOX Garden Hotline, you put your uh, weed deterrents uh, in the spring down before the soil hits 50 degrees. It could be, you know, but it takes the soil some time to warm up. So even in the world of lawn and garden, it's the same issue. It's the dirt that needs to be a certain temperature and in sealing asphalt, concrete, wood, it's that surface material that has to be at 70 degrees. Anyway, uh, let's see what's happening here with Lee. Hey, Lee, Scott Mosby, how can I help you, my friend? Uh, right. Yep, you're Hey, on. thanks for taking my call, Scott. Can yes, you sir. hear me? Yes, I can. Hey, I love your show. Oh, uh, here's my question. I have a mansard roof, and there's a power vent up there. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed in the wintertime, well, it runs pretty constant during the summer months. In the winter, when it's really cold outside and it can be a clear day and the sun is shining down on that roof, that fan will activate. Uh, should that be turned off during the winter or what? No, it's How working that perfectly. Affecting? It's working perfectly. Lee, the, the example is not to um, remove heat or cool. The purpose of attic cavity ventilation is removing the moisture, which means if you have trapped air, uh, even in the middle of the winter, as relatively dry as that seems, you know, St. Louis is still a very humid environment. Uh, This latitude just is, it's wet. So we have water vapor in the air all the time. So venting an attic cavity um, and the solar heat, I mean, you have a big solar collector called your roof, even with a mansard, and that's heating that roof material. Uh, you know, your attic's probably 150, 170 degrees up there, or at least temperate and comfortable. 
and it needs to be ventilated during the winter. So one of the old wives' tales, remember the old whirlybird vents that guys used to put uh, trash bags over? Yeah. I used to have one, I know. Yeah, it's the worst <laughs> thing in the world. Those, those, those ugly whirlybird ventilators need to be uncovered throughout the winter uh, because the old scrubby Dutch, we don't, you know, we've got good heat in the attic. We don't want to let it get away. It's free. So we put the back, well, we trap moisture in the attic. And that then renders the insulation less effective. So you're better off, better off with a cold, well-ventilated attic and insulation that is properly working. You know, you don't want a windstorm up there, but so anyway, my point is, is your power vent for that mansard roof is probably working correctly and should be. Okay, that, that, that was my concern. I thought that it would probably be sucking the heat out of the house, you know, because I can hear it going. Well, let me make an example here that's a little closer to home. So we're in the winter. It's getting cold. You go outside and you put on a big whole bunch of clothes and then you work in the yard and you, you work up a perspiration and you're kind of, your clothes are now wet. Okay, that's the same thing as an unventilated attic. That insulation in that cavity is wet. Now, are you going to get comfortable by getting the wet uh, dry? Um, you know, or by ventilating. So frankly, uh, just as you and I want to dry out our clothes so the insulative value of that clothing can work for us, uh, so you need to ventilate that clothing and get rid of that moisture uh, in the attic just as well as it is as the multi-layers of clothes on you or me. So same concept. Okay, that's good. I do have an attic fan, but several years ago, I had a glass company actually come out and measure that opening mm -hmm. and they made a cover for that. And I install that cover during the winter months. So the heat from the house doesn't go up through that attic fan. Oh, that's fantastic. That it, frankly, those big fans are nice. They're terrible in the winter because they leak so dramatically. If you can stop that air leak and it's air leak, which it sounds like you have, you know, that's great. I have it covered. Yeah. Yeah. I have a special, uh, it's a plexiglass cover. Oh, yeah. You know, with a frame. And yeah. I just screw it in every winter. And in the spring, I'll take it down, and then I can use the attic fan. Wow. Lee, I really like that. That's a great idea. Or you put it right over yeah, your I louvers a, up in the in the ceiling there? Yeah. Well, it's yeah, it's inside, and yeah. it covers the louvers. Sweet. That way, I don't have any seepage of warm air going up through that attic. Wow, I like and that. I had a company called Liberty Glass out of Perryville, Missouri. Mm -hmm. They actually built that, made that thing for me, and it works fine. Oh, yeah. I, I, perfect. Uh, you're doing exactly the right thing for all the right reasons. I, I love it. That's, I just hadn't heard of that solution. That's a really neat idea. Well, I was I was losing heat, you know, no, no and I, I got to I got to get this thing covered. Yeah, watch the money so, just disappear up there. Yep, just goes right out. Well, of the we house. did that, and <laughs> it, it works. Yeah, it keeps the warm air upstairs on that second level. You know, it's a two story house. Uh huh. Yeah. So it, you know, and the heat rises. Yeah, so man. I'm losing all this heat going through that those you know the louvers on on the attic fan. I oh, I yeah. need to cover that, and I wanted something that was aesthetically pleasing to look at. Yeah. I didn't want to just try to tape some plastic or something over it. Yeah. So I had this company measure and frame it and put the plexiglass there. Sweet. So I screw it in and take it out. All right. Well, Lee, thank you. Very good idea. All right. Hey, thanks for returning uh, from my call. Well, yeah, you. Uh, I think you uh, offered a whole lot more help than you did uh, received any uh, assistance. So uh, thanks for the help. All right, Lee. Uh, have a good one. All right. Bye now. Bye.
Home improvement, Cam Wicks, a little help from our friends. There we go. Community knowledge. Pay it forward. Pass it down. Listen to Cam Wicks. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's why we're here, folks. Welcome back to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Now, once again, here's your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. All right, KMOX. Every year in the St. Louis area, 14,000 cats and dogs, over 14,000 cats and dogs are put to sleep due to overpopulation. You can prevent this by getting your pets fixed at the Quick Fix Pet Clinic. Get them neutered. Call 771-PETS, 771-PETS, or visit carolhousepetclinic.org. Yep, it, let's take, well, I love those pets. Just keep them um, happy and uh, uh, controlled. Let's see what's cooking with our uh, phone lines here and talk with Dennis. Hey, Dennis, Scott Mosby here, KMOX. How can we help, my friend? Hi, Scott. I am uh, installing a 150-gallon aquarium on the first floor of my house. Okay. It's a 900-square-foot ranch, single-story, with the attic. Mm-hmm. Uh, the corner I'm wanting to put it in one corner is essentially the inside wall where my joist or my I-beam runs. Yep, yep. And the other corner is the outside wall of the house. So essentially it's in a corner with two supporting walls. Uh, in an exterior corner. So you've got an exterior supporting wall and also the uh, steel beam wall or supported wall. Right. Is that pretty much it? Right. Yep, yep. yep. The uh, joists under it are two by tens on sixteen-inch centers, okay. and it's they're on about a twelve-foot span. It's eleven and a half, and I'm going to figure twelve just for safety factor. Um, I'm figuring the tank itself, water and everything in it's going to be roughly two thousand pounds. Hundred and fifty gallons. Yes. Uh, seven pounds a gallon. You're about a thousand fifty. Right. So figure rock and everything else in there. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I figure yeah. if I overestimate, I'm probably better than underestimating. My question was: is I I can't completely sister the joist because there is one water line running through the joist. Yeah, yeah. That's the only thing. I mean, there's no electrical, no nothing. Just one water line. Okay. What I was thinking of doing was putting a like a six by six header across the the joist. That this will be running parallel. Yeah. The, Four by two tank. Yeah, it'll be running parallel with the floor joists. Joists. Yeah, so yeah. It won't be crossing four joists. It'll be on two joists essentially. Yep. Roger that. What I was going to do was run a six by six header across with mm-hmm. an extra lolly post in the basement. Yep. On the inside corner, you know, the one corner that's not supported by a wall. Yep. 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 Gotcha. Do you think that would be enough as a just Oh, absolutely! You're overkilling this thing. You could do a hot tub for that. Um, okay. Uh, what? Here, here's uh, you're I mean, on the would right. Would I be good with just the joists I have? Uh, no, no. I like. Uh, yeah, here, that's... here's what's going to happen, Dennis. I love a good question. Uh, you're on the right path. Uh, the loading, the the total load, because you're right there by the steel beam, which is pretty well supported. Your uh, foundation wall, I'm assuming, is pretty close there. Right. Um, right. The foundation wall and the steel beam wall, that the feet on those places will not settle, will not deflect 
which means right. sag. So right. you will all that load will be borne on three of those feet successfully. The fourth foot out there on that single floor joist will uh-huh. settle. It'll sag. You will load overload that area. So first right. off, I would take two by sixes flat and push them up flat underneath the subfloor, the plywood, the one by six, whatever it is, so that okay. you're going to spread out that foot. Um, you're going to have all this on one square inch, you know, a quarter okay. of that load on one square inch, and it's not as rock bottom uh, supported like the other three feet. So put a flat right. two by six there. We do this around toilets and, you know, places that have a lot of, of uh, point load. Uh, number okay. one there, and then all you need to do is that six by six is overkill. All you need is that lally column right underneath pretty much that floor joist right on that third um, foot. You follow? Okay. So so essentially lay them flat up against the flooring and above then, it? Am I thinking right? Yep, and then screw them or nail them into the floor joist adjacent. And, and frankly, if that foot, you have to calculate where that foot is, but your three feet next to the steel and the exterior wall are going to be really, we see this in refrigerators all the time. Right. You know, 1,000 pounds divided by four, you have 250 pounds, and two of those feet are you know, near the foundation exterior wall and two of the feet, and now your fridge is all sloping toward the inside of the house because of the sag, okay. like exactly what you're talking about. So we so deal with this all the what time. what you're saying is build basically a box frame underneath this floor joist, in between these two floor joists or whatever floor joists there are? Uh, yeah. And put a lolly in yeah. the corner? Yeah, kind of like X frames. You can do them with two by tens, but you're overloaded here. You don't. You're only really trying to hold 250 pounds, and it's more of a point load issue than overloading. Number one, your two by tens uh, can go up to 16 or 17 feet uh, on the maximum okay. load. So your floor joists are, you know, about two thirds maxed out, three quarter max. So you've got a lot of extra yeah, support this, in your joists. This joist. thing was built like in 1958, so I'm sure it's probably Douglas fir too on top, and they're not just, you know. Pine. <laughs> so, yeah, and that's back when lumber yeah. used to be, you know, that's back when lumber, lumber was lumber. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, right. yeah. Okay, so, yeah, I just uh, trying to do it the easiest way I can. I don't want to have to dig out my concrete, you know, no, no. flooring and everything. I mean, I'm assuming if I just sit the lolly post on a 6x6 six six or something to keep it up off the concrete, or do I really even worry about that? No, use no. Use foot plate that comes with the lolly post? You, you, I would put uh, probably a 12x12 12 12 piece of uh, of lumber down and a lolly post. Spread that foot out. The bottom of your lolly post is only 3 or 4 inches square, right. something like that. Okay. You just want to spread that out, just like our leg comes down into a little bitty ankle that's like 2 inches around, right. and then we have this bigger foot. You just need a bigger okay. foot underneath there. So if I just basically lay a 2x12, two by, two by a piece of 2 by 12 on its side and set the lolly yeah. post on it. Yeah. Okay. Or if you're really right. worried, put so. two 2x12s on it. and Don't use treated okay. lumber because that'll stain your concrete, but you're doing right. fine. And, and also that flat 2x6 or lumber up underneath your floor, you could put that on all four corners if you can get to it because it's the overloading of that one-inch um, stand leg that is going to challenge your framing more than the total poundage load. You okay. see what I mean? So I don't want I don't want to screw this board to the. Okay, I'm gonna say it sounds weird. The two by you got the two by ten sitting on edge on the on the the joist. So I don't want to screw the six by six to the face of that. I want to screw it up in between the two, and basically tie the two joists together. Yeah. Right. 
right, right. So don't screw them to the end of the two by two, the two inch square side. Go up in between the joists and screw it from the ends. Uh, yes, yes. That's okay. all you're going to do is make your floor thicker with this two by six thing. Okay. And yeah, instead, I, guess I should have mentioned too. It's also you got I got on top of that floor is oak hardwood. Yeah. And then your subfloor. Yep. So, so you're just going to, yeah, just clip off your nails um, so that you're not backing the nails out when you push your two-by-twos up there. This is, yeah, this is a point load issue more so than it okay. is a total loading floor joist issue. And, and way so to go, Dennis. Just worry about that one corner. Beef up that one corner and I should be good. Right okay. on, right on. And I, right. love your, I love your Lally column. You can just go to the point load and, and take care of this. Uh, you're thinking about this all correctly and you're, you're fine. Okay. All right, and from what I've read, they say to do this before you put weight on it, correct? Amen. Do Amen. All this before you load it. Yep. Free, yep. Freeze okay. it where it's uh, healthy before you start overloading it. Right. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you very much. Okay, Dennis. Take care. Bye now. Uh -huh. Bye. All right, for all you framer contractors out there that know what I'm talking about, uh, we just took our walk through the roses. Uh, anyway, I love this stuff. Uh, it's more how to skin that uh, that challenge and get there. So anyway, stay tuned. More coming up here on KMOX. I promise I'll get a little bit more general topic here. Welcome back to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Now, once again, here's your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. Oh, yes, we are live and lively wrapping up Hour 2 of the KMOX Home Improvement Show. So much to talk about here on KMOX. Next up on the phone, let's go and speak with Kathy. Kathy, thank you for waiting. How may I help you? Uh, yes, hi, Scott. How are you today? Fantastic. I'm well fed after Thursday. Ooh. Oh, I bet. Uh, me too. I have a general question uh -huh. about, um, oh, I guess I'm concerned because our porch, like our steps mm -hmm. to the porch, um, they're starting to separate from the porch. And actually, it's like they're connected like to our garage exterior wall, uh, concrete. Okay. Does that, does that sound serious? Um, it is. How old is your house, house, Kathy? It's about 20 years old. Okay. Yeah. Um, when that foundation for either the porch or the garage is dug, um, they dig out uh, what's called an over dig, which means room for the men to get into the hole or the tradesmen to get into the hole and do the work on the inside and the outside forming the place where the concrete goes in. Well, that's loose soil that has been disturbed and it's fluffier and it settles a whole lot more than the stuff that hasn't been dug up. Well, that's right where your steps are poured. Um, and usually those big slabs of step, steps are supported, either uh, could have footings um, or they get connected to the foundation wall. Either way, the soil over time slowly settles. Uh, sometimes uh, water drainage and downspouts may make it settle a little more or less um, than normal. It is important. It's not critical, but it's something that it, on those slabs, it might be something that could be best mud jacked. Uh, because, you know, or peered, you know, I'm not sure. It depends on the situation there. But, uh, yeah, it is. But the if it's tied to the foundation, uh, it won't move much. It'll open up 
but it won't really move. Once it starts moving, then it's time for, you know, a Helitech call on how do I need to keep this thing where it needs to be. So, yes, but and, it's not going to tear your house down, but your steps will continue <laughs> to move. Okay. And then also the temperature has to be a certain degree for them to be able to come out and check it out, right? Uh, not to check it out. It's just when they do the work. And, you know, for example, you know, it's going to be 60 degrees on and off for the next two weeks, you know, and you'll get those in January as well. So um, you'd be surprised when they come out to fix this stuff. It's all about the temperature at that time. So I'd give them a call if you're worried about it. Okay. Yeah, good well, question, by the way. Thank you so much. I was surprised because I was just looking at it before I got on the phone. And, yeah, I noticed it's actually All right. connected to the... All right. Take garage. care. Bye, Kath. Thank you. All right. God bless you. Thank you. You too.